0: You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. With John Schuster, Ben White, I'm Mike Luke. Um, Arizona loses in a manner in which uh, you generally don't see very often there. Um, but I'm going to say here, and we're going to get to all your thoughts and comments here. But I will say this Arizona has nobody to uh, blame but themselves here. You had, first of all, you missed way too many free throws. Every time you had an opportunity to extend the lead, you really didn't do it. Again, I mean, you, he'll make that shot one out of 100 times, but Arizona left ASU in that situation. When you're up 10, I'm sorry, when you're up 10 with four minutes left, uh, again, Ballow's got to make that free throw right there. There was, um, you know, Arizona gave them reasons, and they took advantage of it
1: there, shoe. I think uh, to, a, to another degree, too, is that ASU played about as well as it could in this matchup. And I think, uh, I don't know how many people are ultimately watching, but uh, that is a game that sealed their position as far as a rightful berth uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, the Sun Devils are an athletic team that cause Arizona, and a lot of other teams, uh, Tommy Lloyd calls them handsy. I think that's a good interpretation. They're very athletic, they're very long, and they're a problem. And yes, it looked as though with about in that four to eight minute mark, it looked like Arizona was trying to uh, about to separate, which is what uh, we all anticipated uh, they were going to do. But to ASU's credit, even though Arizona wasn't strong down the stretch, the Devils kept hitting threes, too. And that was a thing that uh, kept them in the game. And and in the end, obviously, they hit a three that we're going to be talking about and remembering, uh, not just for the next few days or the next few weeks, but that's probably going to be a shot that a lot of folks in this state are going to recall for decades to come. Ben?
2: Yeah, I think when you look at what ASU did, not only from three, but I think you look at what they were able to do just consistently throughout the game. You know, when you talk about ASU, whether it's this year, whether it's just the entire Bobby Hurley tenure altogether on a bad day, they can be one of the worst teams in college basketball. And on a good day, if you're a one or two seed like Arizona, you want nothing to do with them for this exact reason. If all their guys are hitting like they did tonight, I mean you had five guys in double figures for ASU. I think Arizona where they really struggled obviously when you look at some of the cushion room that ASU gave them late in the second half about 6 or 7 minutes or so where they just went on a stretch where they just ultimately couldn't hit a shot. Arizona was just never able to take advantage of that and it's kind of like Arizona played in a way where you didn't go inside out like we've been talking about the last three or four games that game that uh that blueprint is ultimately disappeared at times and it hurt arizona today i thought Tubelis, you know even though on paper he had 17 points i thought he wasn't nearly as aggressive as he could have been i thought ballo somebody who had a hell of a game four fouls obviously made things problems but arizona's game plan was not to go inside they were just going to try to hit threes hang with asu and it caught them and it burned them at the worst possible point so that's what that comes down to
0: what i don't understand when teams play arizona and this is uh, twice now and we i was talking with Kyle Dodd about this earlier in the week um if i'm playing arizona and i'm asu or another team one of the one th- some of the weaknesses that this team i've always felt have has is you don't have next level ball handlers and you lack dynam- a dynamic ability on the perimeter it's not last year's team in that you had you know, dudes like guys who you knew were going to be NBA players. This year's team, when they, when teams pre, uh, press them, when teams get, um, you know, up in their face, like ASU did up in Tempe when they went on that run towards here, Arizona generally doesn't respond well to that. And I don't know that, um, again, I think that that's an inherent physical flaw on this team more so than anything, because again, this was not a game that. You know Arizona should have lost when you're up the w- manner in which they did, but they folded down the
1: stretch, fellas. See, but I think that was a little bit more problematic earlier in the matchup than it was ultimately in the last four minutes where ASU got back into the game. I think ASU hit shots on on on, on the offensive end that allowed them to make the move. Wasn't Arizona committing turnovers? Arizona on the on its yeah. offensive end. Let me just interrupt yeah. you real quick. You hit Let me three just- throws.
0: Right. Let me just interrupt you real quick. The only thing I would agree with that, but they get out of their rhythm, though. I'll give you a perfect example. That Kerr Crease of three was exactly what ASU wanted right there. It was a terrible shot. There was a couple other ones like that where you're just not in the flow that you're normally in. Go ahead. Sorry about that, Chief.
1: That's all right. No, that's a fair point. Uh, and, but, but, you know, if you're wondering why Arizona isn't going to be, you know, why they haven't been pressed more uh, throughout the course of the year, they're, are a couple reasons, but it's going to get us to an end game conversation anyway. The coaches don't like to press uh, is and and a lot of and a lot of teams don't have the bench to do it uh, o- over the consistency of at least forty minutes, let alone twenty. Uh, so I but the the point that I think Arizona is going to see at some stage in the tournament is what team is going to be willing to press them for six to ten minutes, and is that strategic six to ten minute full court press going to be enough? Uh, to be able to be successful, keep in mind in this matchup, though Arizona scored 88 points. Right. 88 points is enough for Arizona to win the basketball game. Uh, it's it's that I I think to a large degree, and you're certainly right about Carissa being out of his rhythm uh, on on a couple of occasions. I'm not necessarily uh, debating you in regards to uh, you know why it is that the, the the potential effectiveness of teams ultimately pressing Arizona but the reality is that if the guy doesn't make a half court shot, Arizona wins a basketball game. Uh mm-hmm. and and possession before, they called a timeout and ASU had a massive defensive lapse. Larson gets to the rack and hits a layup. Right. A layup with under a minute to play. Those shouldn't be allowed either. So it's not like Arizona was completely destitute over the no, course sure. of the last 4 minutes. There were opportunities that they had. Now they weren't good enough at the foul line. That, that that that's without a doubt. And in situations where teams press them, I think Arizona's going to have to be effective from the free throw line uh, to be able to quell that uh, a little bit, because I think at some point or a series of some points, if Arizona's lucky, the cats are going to see pressure and they're going to see some athletic teams that can probably play it pretty well, but they're going to play it in blocks and they're not going to play it consistently throughout the course of the game because there's just not enough depth uh in on a lot of these college basketball rosters and secondly a lot of coaches just hate the idea of consistently giving up layups so when you're able to press you're taking a chance in that regard and Arizona's got big players on the inside who can get to the foul line it's going to be up to those big players to be able to make foul shots when the opposition goes to that sort of approach
2: yeah and, and and the bottom line is and we can talk about the full court, the half court shot. I'm going to call it essentially a full court shot because that's close to what it was. We can talk about, you know, maybe some of the lack of consistency on the inside. But what this game comes down to today, and we're not having this conversation if Arizona makes their free throws. Yeah, they score 100 points today. Right. Point blank, bottom line, this game was lost. And one at the free throw line, all self-inflicted wounds by Arizona. And I'll give ASU credit in the sense that I think in the first matchup, we saw a little bit as to, from a scouting perspective, what happens if you press somebody like Balo and Tubelas and get them into foul trouble. And then tonight we saw kind of the same thing. And it put Arizona in an awkward position at the line, got to the free throw line 34 times, didn't seem to matter. And again, I think it all comes back to Arizona just has to have that consistency and that rhythm inside. And when they don't have that, Balo was good in stretches, and he definitely did enough to keep Arizona to in the game towards the end and help them build that lead. But ultimately, it didn't matter. I mean, your guards can only get you so far. And while we've seen a huge improvement from them, ASU is one of those teams where if they're hot, They're hot and it's going to be really hard to slow them down. Arizona didn't have any luck doing that today. And it's just one of those things where if you do what you're supposed to do and you control the things that you can control, free throws are 100 percent controllable. And if this team does what they need to do at the line and don't mess around today, we're having a completely different conversation.
0: Um, Bottom line. Yeah, a couple things here, and I think this is an interesting point. I was just thinking this offline, and I know that a lot of people probably wouldn't do this, but we're going to get to this point here in a second, and Saul, I think, makes a great point about how how they shot like that. But first, got to pay the bills, the four peaks. You only saw three of the peaks today. Maybe if you had seen the fourth, or actually, I don't know, maybe Jordan Maines counts as a fourth peak, whatever you want to say. But Four Peaks, the official brew of PHNX Sports. You can check it out at the Tempe location, hang out with the cool kids like the Shane box of the world, or come to the Tap and Bottle Watch Parties and get Four Peaks, get some Kilt Lifter. Very good stuff. Check out the show notes and the link in the description. But again, Four Peaks, the official brew of PHNX Sports and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. Here's the deal. You can put down five bucks, a measly five bucks, and you can get up to $200 in free plays on NBA games. NBA games are back left and right right now. They are proliferating the entire TV screen. The Phoenix Suns now have the best player in the Valley since Charles Barkley exited uh, before Ben was even born. And again, so again, you might say, what's that? That's not true. Where were you born, Ben? Uh, 96 you might have been one at that. When, when did Barkley leave? Ninety six or ninety seven? I think it was ninety seven.
2: So I get one year.
1: All right, either yeah, way, and and, and and you remember it well. That's the most important thing. You you have a very in depth personal memory of Barkley in the Valley. All right. Well, either way. Uh, DraftKings sportsbook app. That's where you want to check it out.
0: Twenty-one and up. Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Next Step. Again, check out the show notes and the link in the description. But um, good time to bet on the Suns. Maybe uh, maybe don't bet on the Suns. Being that we turn every single team we tell you to bet in into. Uh, a bad team, or we turn the Pistons into a uh, championship Um,
1: contender. By by the way, I talked to somebody today who uh, thought about uh, betting the uh, Arizona money line uh, as uh, part of a much more complicated bet, specifically because he listened to what was said on uh, the PHNX broadcast, and then specifically because he listened to what was said on the PHNX broadcast, went the other direction, and ultimately that proved – I was going to prove. Yeah, you know what? I never said that I was an expert. I'll give my opinion. I never said that I was smart,
0: though. Um, Okay, so – and there were some really good things. It's too bad to take away from this game. First of all, Cedric Henderson had a fantastic game. Pella Larson had a really, really good game. The Swedish pinball, our guy said – both were really, really good. I got a question though. Ben and I were texting this back and forth a little bit. I know the numbers that Tabellas put up, but at least to me, it feels like there's something a little off there right now. I don't know if it's whether it's from an engagement perspective, or I'll give you a perfect example. And again, I know he was surprised. He grabs that rebound and falls down, and then just lets the dude take it from him, like. I don't know. It just feels different to me right now. I know we put up 17 and nine, but it didn't feel like the same kind of 17 and nine that we've watched earlier in the season.
1: Man, I'm not sure anybody has an answer. Uh, I was hopeful, and and 17 and nine is a much better number than we had seen in the last three weeks. The argument has been that Tabellus has gotten into foul trouble and hasn't been on the floor, and therefore, you know, can't be as effective as he was because he was. He, he was saddled with uh, the foul difficulty. Uh, today, that wasn't nearly as much the case, but, you know, it's uh, going to be one of those things where, you know, I, I'm, Agatha Christie hasn't cracked this one yet. Uh, so I don't know if there's something more going on. Uh, but if there is something more going on and it doesn't get rectified, Arizona's in trouble because they need to, Tabellus makes the most notable difference on this team. He provides, along with the compliment that is Ballow. They provide a difference that very few teams in the country have. And being different and being able to play that difference is a big deal in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you want to be well-rounded. Yeah, you want to you, you, you want to play tight defense. You want to be able to rebound. You want to shoot the ball really well. But we're not the first people to say it, and we're not going to be the last people to say it, that um, matchups are important in events like the NCAA tournament. And Arizona is a matchup problem a lot, but it's a matchup problem when Tabellus and Ballo are on the floor at the same time and both playing well. And if there's something more going on with Tabellus at this stage, and it doesn't get rectified in a way where he gets his confidence back and becomes the difference maker and the inside track winner for conference player of the year, uh, then, you know, Arizona could have some very real difficulties next week into the uh, Pac-X tournament and uh, certainly in their uh, run, whatever it happens to be in the NCAA field.
2: Yeah, He's huge. I mean, he's the centerpiece of this team. And I I think there's a couple of areas that we can dive into when it comes to this question and this concern. I I think the first thing is I don't know if there's maybe a lingering injury behind the scenes. I don't know if it's a a mental issue just with some of the foul trouble, but to Shoes point, Can't really make that argument today. Three fouls, most of them came later in the game. And what was most concerning to me is when you watch him play today, I think especially early on, the first 5-10 minutes were most telling because it seemed like Arizona just really wasn't getting the ball to him. He wasn't being really aggressive. He wasn't asking for the ball. And if there was really any guy in this game who was going to put the ball on the floor and dribble and get to the rim, Ironically enough, I mean, obviously it was Ballo, but that guy outside of uh, two Bellas today was Larson. So I, I don't know if it's a, a matchup thing. I mean, I think you look at what we've seen across the board, right? In the Pac-12 where, you know, you go up against bigs like Dante at Oregon, but then you also go up against smaller teams in the conference where they don't really even have much of a guy who can let alone hang or even match up with him just because of how, you know, tall and versatile he is and the, the skill set he brings to the table. So, when you go up against those bigger athletic guys, how is he going to respond? And we had that conversation. It was lingering for quite a while throughout the season, but then you get to games like UCLA, you get to the Oregon game where they just absolutely dominated them the second time around. So definitely a huge question because if, if, if Tubelas is not giving you 20 and 10, 15 and 10 in a meaningful, impactful way every single game. This team's got some problems and they've got to figure that out because they play inside out and they certainly haven't played that the last few weeks.
0: Sorry, Jacob. I agree. My, the, the Jacob Franklin, the ASU aficionado that he is. Jacob, do you want to hop in here real quick? Come on, Jacob. Hop in here real quick. It's better to be seen, not heard. Hop in, Jacob. I'm bringing you in. I'm just kidding with you. I won't bring it in. But um, all right, sorry. I'm playing comments that he said that I've already that he already put up there. That's on me, Jacob. Why don't we go to the uh, Why don't we go to the uh, stat of the game or um, whatever it's called? Let's do it by the numbers. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, ASU. If ASU has 23 assists and 11 turnovers, and Arizona has 16 assists and 13 turnovers, and um, misses eleven free throws. That's a recipe for disaster, right there. Good job, good job there, Jacob. What do you guys think? What do you guys make of those numbers, Shoe?
1: Well, I think one of the thing, and 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 really, the defense I think is largely a concern here. Arizona plays a style of defense that basically expects teams to regress to their mean. And how that works is that if a team gets hot from three point range, that's okay. Arizona doesn't believe it's just going to happen throughout the course of the game. Eventually they're going to miss and Arizona's going to do its job on the glass and, and their offense is going to work effectively enough. And the style will be, uh, you know, to the point where Arizona can ultimately be successful and pull away. Looked like that approach was going to work again today. Uh, but, ASU, again, to its credit, in the last four minutes, hit some big shots and got back into it. And shooting 40% from three-point range is a significant number from them. And they obviously moved the ball at 23 assists as well. On the offensive end, and and you and Ben rightfully alluded to this, the cats have to be better from the foul line. Uh and they're a team that can shoot well from three point uh from the free throw line. And today they just weren't able to get it done as consistently as they need to be. Uh, a- example of this, when Ballo got injured on the dunk attempt and tweaked the knee a little bit and couldn't play that possession, uh, ASU was kind of screwed in terms of the options that they had because they had four other Arizona had four other guys on the floor who could hit free throws, and Henderson was successful in getting that done. But the cats across the board weren't as good throughout the course of the game in that regard. It ultimately caught up to them again. Arizona scored 88 points in this game. You get to that number, you're going to win a bunch of basketball games. And Arizona's won a bunch of basketball games, scoring 80 or more. Uh, So offensively, even with Tabella struggling a little bit, and the Cats kind of trying to figure some things out and maybe being out of rhythm and so forth, uh, if they shoot to a level from the foul line that they're expected to be, they're a team that scores in the 90s and they win the basketball game. Uh, So right now, Generally speaking, I think the offense is working reasonably well. My concern, and it ranks a little bit higher in pecking order than how well do they handle the press, is how well does their defense hold up if a team gets hot from three-point range? Uh, And this this tends to be, today was kind of an example, but I think there are other teams out there that play into this. The Cats are not a team that score in transition based on what they do from a steal or a block shot standpoint. The times when they run are generally off rebounds, uh, so they play basically a half court style of defense. Right, right, right. And, yeah. and which is okay; it's how they're built. Uh, but one of the ways that they try to make that work is by hope. Ah, hoping's the wrong word, but believing that teams are eventually not going to be able to continue to drain three pointers and that they're not going to give up offensive rebounds to give teams second shot opportunities. The reason they lost at Stanford had a lot to do with Stanford having second shot opportunities. The reason they lost today is that ASU hit a bunch of threes. Those are two areas that usually work just fine for Arizona to get them W's. Uh, But today wasn't the case. And, those are the kinds of matchups that concern me in the NCAA tournament, a team that rebounds offensively well, or a team that can just drain it from three. And if those two matchups occur, I think Arizona's going to be in for a struggle as it tries to advance.
2: Yeah. And the the concerning thing, too, is, you know, especially after you get after that first round, a lot of teams are in that category. A lot of teams in the round of 16, you know, in the round of eight in the round of four, et cetera, they do those things very, very well. So it's concerning if you're Arizona. And I I just think from a defensive thing, you know, I think this team has shown the ability, you know, from a front court standpoint, obviously, but from a guard uh, standpoint to lock down when they really need to. But today it just seemed like they were lazy. I mean, ASU, not only were they making threes, but one thing I think people don't really realize. And, you know, I think you saw it later in the game with some of these floaters and some of these other points that especially horn was getting, they made a lot of easy shots in the paint, in the, in the, the, you know, jump shots, you know, in and around the rim. And that just typically doesn't happen with Arizona teams. I think they got lazy. I think they tried to beat ASU at their own game. And at that point, it just, it didn't matter. So I think if you're Arizona, you know, the lingering thing and and the big question you take away from this game is the defense, you know, on the outside and then offensively, you know, 88 points is great, but how do we control things better at the free throw line? How do we not, you know, miss, you know, 42% of our shots when, especially when we're getting to the line 34 times ASU, if essentially gave Arizona this game at the free throw line, if Arizona shoots free throws at the way they have, you know, most of the regular season. So, and I think the, the last thing too is this game, the loss, the situation, there's a lot to take away and there's a lot to break down and a lot of different ways you could spin it. But if this loss occurs in November or December, we're not really fired up in having this conversation. It's just at the worst time because you've got the L.A. schools next week. You're concerned about NCAA tournament amplifications. And you know now that you had that one seed probably locked down. And now you're probably looking at a two or three seed, probably looking at the east. It's just a really bad time for this to happen to Arizona.
0: Um, yes, there's our we're going to get to what Janet L makes an interesting point. Janet L, if you don't like me, then this is the person that you need to direct all of your ire towards because she gave birth to me. So, again, there's nobody that you could blame more for Mike Luke than this. But Janet L says, zoo free throws and a lack of defense were keys. Also, non call uh, near end on defensive end was big, resulted in the ASU basket. See, I disagree with mom here. Um, one simple fix though, get zoo's mom back was his best weekend. I agree with that part, but to me, that when uh, when zoo got that rebound, he just gave the ball away right there. Um, he was on the ground and he gave the ball away, and ASU made a three to me outside of the Cambridge shot. That was the biggest turning point of the game, right there. That's something where you got to be
1: tougher with, and he just kind of looked. Eh, all right. Well, I, think well, it was, I, I think he was anticipating one of two things were going to happen after he after he got knocked off of his feet. Then then you're gonna hold on to the ball. The other guy's gonna you're either gonna get a call for a foul or you're gonna a hold track. on to the ball. The guy's gonna reach in, and then it's gonna be a jump ball. And to ASU's credit, and I said, there's basketball here, I'll take that. Kicked it out, and the guy hit a three. Uh so yes, I uh, agree. It, it was one of those weird in-the-moment. Uh, moments that didn't work well for Tabellus, but hopefully it's a learning experience type of thing where you have to just not anticipate to the, you, you know, you gotta be tougher until the ref blows the whistle. And, and that wasn't the case. And it was obviously a play that, uh, uh, you know, it's obviously a play that hurt Arizona and got ASU back into the game. There was also some, something earlier that uh, uh, Saul mentioned uh, in, in the comments about uh, ASU playing its best game of the year. Uh, right. And just shooting, and, and they did. Yeah. Uh, and and again, if a if this game goes to overtime, ASU is going to lose. They had two players who had fouled out. Uh, you know, they had to win this game in regulation, and even then, they had to make a ridiculous shot that's going to be remembered for decades. Right? Uh, certainly up in Tempe to win the basketball game. The frustration is understandable that ASU made it closer, but ASU played, you know, to their credit, they played a great game today. And they are the type of team that can be a matchup problem. And, you know, for three of the four halves that these two teams have faced each other, ASU's been a matchup difficulty for Arizona. So the concern moving ahead from a Wildcat perspective is how are they going to deal with some of the other teams out there that maybe uh, are built in a way that uh, ASU is? And what are they going to need to do to be able to work their way through when those matchups occur? All uh- right. Uh, Now,
0: I don't want to be turning to the sky is falling thing because right now a lot of people are uh, some ASU fans are in here right now. Keep in mind, ASU fan, we're going to be nice to you right here because, again, it was a good win for you. But you're still the uh, you're still the entity that doesn't matter in football or basketball, period. I'm happy you got this win. But at the end of the day, ASU doesn't matter in either one. You need to remember that. You can have wrestling. You can have uh, golf, whatever it is, but you don't really matter in any of the sports. I know this is a good win for you. Now, what else, what does matter, though, is tap and bottle. Tap and bottle downtown. Now, you might say to yourself, Mike, what's going on in tap and bottle downtown? A watch party next week, next Saturday. We would love to see you down there. And, again, we got Arizona-UCLA to finish out the season. We're going to be a testy game right there. Come down there. Have some four-peaks Um, and watch the game. Love to see you down there. Check out, again, the show notes in the link in the description and Illegal Pete's. Ben White is born in 1996. Now, Ben might be getting a little bit old for Illegal Pete's. Some would say you never get too old for Illegal Pete's. It's always a good spot to be. The great Jacob Franklin could go down there. People would be looking up at him, or I could go down there. People would be looking down at me. But it doesn't really matter, though. Either way, it's a good time, good food, good drink, and again, uh, nobody goes to legal piece and said that was a boring time. So again, for either one, check out the show notes and link in the description. All right. As far as seating goes, I think this probably because, and this is where it's hard, because when you're in the Pac-12, everybody reacts in a big way because they say, oh, well, the Pac-12 is a terrible conference. What does this really mean for uh, Arizona? The one thing I will say, though, about this is that um, you know the Pac-12 has a bad national reputation. Um, whereas opposed to the Big Ten is viewed as basically the NBA training ground right there. And <laughs> so, again, uh, the loss in the Big Ten, people say, well, you know, they're just going to cannibalize each other. The loss in the Pac-12 is, oh, yuck. So Arizona is dealing with <laughs> someone signing autographs. That is very funny. <laughs> um, but Arizona's also got to deal with a little bit of that stigma. I think that it probably puts them down to probably a three seed right now, guys. What do you think?
1: Man, I don't. I oh man, I don't know. Uh, I I think Arizona's still more than likely going to be on the two line, but if they drop one or two in Los Angeles, which is certainly plausible, and I think if they drop two in L.A., they're probably. I I can certainly see them in, as a three seed. The larger problem, more so than two or three, is that by virtue of losing to ASU today, I find it difficult to argue that Arizona is going to be situated in the West. Uh, and that's unfortunate because the the way that things set up, Arizona's fan base was going to be potentially available there. But now that UCLA is all but, you know, sealed uh, winning the conference, even if Arizona wins in Los Angeles, it becomes, I think, and and maybe you could argue has a better resume. It becomes a very difficult argument to make, I think, to keep Arizona to, to not keep UCLA in the West by virtue of winning the conference, uh, and and that means especially got, if they win it by two or three games, right? Yeah. And that means you got to ship a uh, you got to ship Arizona somewhere, and you know that's that that that's the aspect that I think is unfortunate here, and you know it's that's that that's the area where you know it might be a tougher road for the Cats because because. You know, they just aren't going to attract as many fans. I mean, the Cats travel, the Cats draw, uh, and, and a lot of folks are going to go watch Arizona regardless of how long they're in this tournament and and, and where they play. But uh, this this is the loss that I think makes it significantly more difficult to make a feasible argument that Arizona is a team that stays out West. UCLA has been more consistent in conference play and they're going to earn. Does that change? Let me ask you this though. Does that change? If Arizona,
0: if Arizona goes in and sweeps the LA schools beats UCLA, you'd be two and zero against UCLA and you would have a lot better wins than UCLA would at that point. Does that change your
1: opinion? Uh, I, I still think it, 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 you can make the argument better. But I still think that becomes a, a, a slightly more difficult to, argument to make. Uh, it's, there, there's a path, but I think that path is closing. Because the argument I think the committee could make here is that, yeah, you won at UCLA, but UCLA had already clinched the conference. Uh, and, and so they're still going to win the league. Now, what I thought was probably going to happen is that uh, in the Pac-X tournament, if Arizona and UCLA, the, the team that went further in that conference tournament was going to get preferential treatment in terms of which one was going to be seated West. So you could make the suggestion that a, that Arizona wins at USC. That's a good win. Wins at UCLA. Excellent win. And then goes further in the pack X tournament than UCLA does, even though <laughs> UCLA wins the conference you can at least under that scenario make the argument that Arizona is seated slightly more favorably and perhaps remains in the West. But I think as, uh, as a result of what happened today, it becomes a lot more difficult uh, to make that argument. And I think it's more than likely that Arizona is going to be a two or a three in some other region. The legend, the GM that runs PHNX,
0: the best free throw shooter in Arizona high school history, Saul Bookman. <laughs> this will always be your intro. Is on here. Hello, Saul. How's it going guys? All right. What are your thoughts there, big dog?
3: Uh, I mean, it's, I'm not going to panic. They, they shot, they shot decently today. They're, they're, they're season average for the most part. Uh, They got sloppy at the end. And when you get sloppy, you leave things up like this up to, uh, to chance. And uh, yeah, it was a fluke shot, but uh, it should have never gotten that close. And I, I, I don't think it's, it's not time to hit the panic button. I've, full faith that they'll probably sweep the LA schools (laughs) because that's just that's just like how Arizona responds so um I think it was a bigger win for ASU than it was a loss for U of A Um, but you know it is what it is at this point
0: (laughs) well you gotta remember too that Arizona has played and this is good and bad has played its best games against the best teams that they've played and also has played some of its worst games against the worst teams that it's played and you know you got, and you're going to have a fully motivated team. I will say this, if they go to LA though, and they lay an egg, then there's some questions. I get you're playing on the road, but at the same time, I would have some questions then about that because you should be fully motivated after this game.
3: There's just something about this Arizona team right now. I mean, all season long, you know, they, they have these lulls that definitely concern you. Um, I, the lack of, a really like this year. I know Courtney Ramey's been very good, um, but for the most part, it's it's been kind of an inconsistent perimeter uh, threat. Uh, they, obviously, they've they've relied heavily on the the post play, but um, in a game like this, when another team is is matching you shot for shot, that's when you kind of notice it a lot more. Especially when they weren't really attacking down low as much as they have in the past. Now, I've watched ASU quite a bit, being up here in the PHNX studios and Shane and company watching these games. I, I've watched them all year long, and they are a far more athletic pe- uh, team than people give them credit for. And they're a very solid defensive team. Um, and and the thing that's always been, you know, against them was if they could ever hit a shot, because that team is one of the worst shooting teams in the country, period. And right. the discussion. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they started off the game hitting like their first four threes, I was like, Oh shit! It's going to be one of those games, like, and and you got to know that. You got to know that if you're U of A, like, okay, well, they uh, clearly they they took the 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 good juice today and they're ready to go. Um, but I but I thought they were falling apart. So i, I again, I this is a fluke victory. I don't I don't care what anybody says. Like Arizona had full control. They should have put it away. ASU was playing out of their minds from the perimeter. Uh, they typically do not shoot like that. Uh, they got guys that shoot 20% from three on the year that were hitting threes left and right. Like, bro, I'm not going to stress about this one. Right. And at the end of the day, Arizona's
0: 22 and five, you're probably going to drop from what seven to 10 in the national rankings. So, I mean, people do need to keep that in, in perspective right here and everybody's losing games too. So, you know, um, now let me ask you this. Do you, what do you think this does for ASU's NCAA tournament chances?
3: ASU has to has to win one of the two in LA. If they don't win one of the two, let's just say they get swept in LA, they got to keep it extremely close in both of those games. Like I mean almost buzzer beater-like for both those games. And then on top of that, they cannot get bounced in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. That's like their calling card. That's what ASU is known for, is getting bounced by loser teams in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament and going home before U of A even has to play their first game. That's what ASU does. They got to change that narrative right? Uh, this time around. Uh, again, like I think that they, I thought I thought if they were going to win one of the three games, it wouldn't have been against us. I thought for sure it would have been against UCLA because I feel like they match up pretty well with UCLA and they kind of faltered the first time around. Um, so uh, again, I-, I think, I think UCLA will end up getting a-, a two or a three seed. If it's a three that that's probably more beneficial because they might keep them out West. If there are three, if there are two, they're definitely going somewhere else. There's no way they're going to be a two out West. There's just not a chance. Right. I think, win- I think- U of a has to win the pac-12 tournament in my opinion to to stay out west
0: well because the thing is then if you've got if you beat the LA schools then you've got the pac12 tournament coming up as well you're going to have opportunities you could conceivably play UCLA two more times right here and exactly. and if you get those and if you could get those wins, Again, you look at it, you got UCLA, you would have UCLA two or three times. You'd have Creighton, you'd have Tennessee, you'd have uh, Indiana, you'd have San Diego State. Those are all top 25 wins uh, that you can't really take away. What are you saying up there, John Schuster?
1: Yeah, I, I I get the argument. I think it's plausible. UCLA basically wrapping up the conference a week before the conference concludes makes that a tough argument to me. What about if they play uh, I, I in the just think, or, I just think I just think UCLA has the inside track here uh, to get preferential treatment in terms of being the team that is seated in the West. And to me, that's a little bit more or significantly more important, to be honest with you, than uh, whether Arizona's a two or a three. Uh, I'd, I'd just rather Arizona be in the West. I think it gives them an opportunity based on the fans that show up uh, to be here. Is it is it plausible? is it a solid argument you can? It, yeah. Uh, but my guess here is that UCL by virtue of Arizona losing today, assuming that UCLA wins tonight, uh, wins over the weekend, uh, assuming UCLA wraps it up before Arizona and UCLA face off, uh, it seems to me that UCLA is going to get the team is going to be the team that gets the nod is probably going to be the team that stays out West. And, uh, you know, Arizona's going to have to go through a bracket somewhere
3: else. If 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 Arizona beats UCLA all three times that they face them this year, which I I, I feel confident saying that they're probably going to match up with them in the Pac-12 tournament at some point, um, then I would disagree. I would say that they would get the nod over UCLA because they they just beat them three times uh, in their last three matchups and uh, especially with two coming in the last two weeks of the season. Um, so I, I would probably give the nod to Arizona at that point. I feel like they, they would have avenged their, their awful loss today. And, and, uh, and so I, I would feel confident in saying that. So I, 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 that's the only part I would disagree with you. If UCLA wins one of those two matchups remaining, uh, then yeah, uh, UCLA is definitely going to get the nod.
0: Breaking news. Joe Lenardi now has Arizona as the third three seed right now. So that would mean that he essentially has them as the 11th team in the country right there. Got some room that you can make up there a little bit. But now let me tell you this. Saul: we told you about Mountain Mike's pizza. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that is delicious. All right. Now, many people think I'm Mountain Mike. They're wrong. I am not Mountain Mike. I am just Mike. Now, Oracle and Wetmore, though, that's where you go and you get the Mountain Mike's pizza. You can get the pepperonis. You can get the pizza. We have had John Schuster come on the show with Mountain Mike's paraphernalia in hand. Brad Alice has done as well. Ben White told us about the one in California. It is all over the place. It's taken over, and it's a great place to go watch games, get some drink, maybe some Four Peaks there as well, some Kilt Lifter, but Mountain Mike's pizza, good stuff. Now, Uh, We got a Phoenix diehard read, but since we got the GM, we got the goat on here. I figured that I might let cede the floor to you for this read here, Saul.
3: I mean, what's there, what's there left to talk about? I mean, becoming a diehard is the the best way to go. So we, we have a bunch of stuff going on. We have these uh, golf tournaments that we call tea parties uh, that are just one night events that you guys get, get to come out and hang out with. And I know that, peeps in tucson i'll probably like hey but you know it's kind of hard to drive up i get it we're working on that stuff uh but in the meantime if you become a diehard you get discounts on merch you get discounts uh a member exclusive access to some of the articles that that are written um and then you get cool little inside tips like for instance we have uh Lower bowl tickets for the Suns versus the Nuggets, the number one seed in the West uh, versus Kevin Durant and the new look Suns uh, here in about a month. And guess who gets first dibs on those tickets? Diehards in our in our discord. So uh, become a member. There's so many different perks that I haven't even mentioned, but it's uh, it's 80 bucks for a year and it's definitely well worth the money. I promise you that
0: that was read like a GM right there. Good job there, Saul. (laughs) All right. Now let's just let's wrap this up. Here are my thoughts here, and then we'll just go around the table right here. Um, at the end of the day, Arizona is not as good. This year's team is not as good as last year's team. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. You lose Ben Matherin, you lose Coloco, you lose Daylon Terry. I've thought from day one, this is an amazing job by Tommy Lloyd because I felt this team was more like a 17 to 20 team going into the year. But they're playing above that right there, but they do have flaws for sure. I mean, again, you don't have great ball handling. It's not next-level perimeter uh, uh, athleticism. Ben, you know what? If you're going to win games, you're going to have to have a Julius Tabellis be that All-American guy that he's been. If he's not that dude, then you can you can lose. I've said it from day one. This team could lose in the second round, or they could make it to the third weekend, and anything in between would not surprise me. Shu, Ben, and then we'll let Saul – with the home run off the end
1: uh the issues that i rank as arizona's concerns defense especially if a team gets hot on the perimeter uh defensive rebounding if a team across from them has a good offensive rebounding performance and gets second looks per possession that's going to be a problem for an arizona defense that i think has a tendency to play pretty well against inconsistent offenses but against uh, athletic teams that know how to run good stuff, I think uh, that can be an issue that uh, works against them and uh, obviously beyond that free throw shooting. I, my fear here, oh, okay, hey, I, I've been thinking this for a while. Arizona's going to lose in the second round or make it to the final four. My fear here is that uh, what we're reliving is 1990 again, where Arizona was a two seed, won in the first round and got throttled by Alabama, which was a seven seed in game two. Uh, and, and so my concern is that this team looks a little bit like that. They are reliant on, uh, power on the inside. They weren't the most athletic team on the perimeter and an athletic team like Alabama blew their doors off. Uh, but I, I, I like how they, for the most part, how they run their offensive stuff. I think they've shown some versatility. They've scored points while Tabellus has been, uh, struggling again. They put up 88 points today and did not shoot well from the foul line. Uh, so, there are reasons to believe that Arizona is still a problem uh, come tournament time, despite the setback uh, that took place today against an ASU team that belongs in the field. It's going to be a pain in the ass if they're in the field. And um, hopefully, uh, y- you know, can uh, make the Pac X uh, fairly interesting and get a little bit more representation uh, once the selection kit- committee ultimately makes its decisions.
2: Ben yeah, th- yeah, I think Arizona is one of those teams, right, where I think Jerry Palm even put this out there a little bit this morning, talking about this is a team that could easily lose in the first round or this is a team that could win the national title. So I, I think a couple of things. I think defense, like we hit on right, I think defensively from a, from a guard standpoint, you've just got to stay in front of your guys. I mean, ASU is just getting anything they wanted today. And Arizona's shown times throughout the year where they can lock in defensively when they need to. And then to me, the big question, too, with the front court is, How do we get that consistency and that impactful play from Tubelas going again? I think he's somebody who, well, had 17 tonight. He was a guy who disappeared in stretches. He wasn't being as aggressive. I thought, you know, I don't think they even went to him eight until eight minutes into the game where creesa had that kind of under the look uh, pass to get him to the basket. So you've got to get your offense flowing inside out. I think defensively you have to be better. And I think more importantly, you know, it, it comes down to what you have next week against LA. You've got to sweep the LA schools. You've got to still have that good seat in the Pac-12 tournament and you've got to take care of business. And if you do that, if you beat UCLA, You know, I kinda differ from from Shu and I I think I kind of meet Saul in the middle in the sense that I think this team still finds a way to, you know, maybe have a three seed out west. They just have to take care of business and be consistent and make free throws. Make
3: free throws. All right. Free speaking of free throws, Saul Bookman. Christ. It's like Ben did that on purpose because he knew exactly what Mike was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh yeah, make free throws. Obviously, yeah, that that's that's clear. Um, but you know, I one thing I will say is this the the high low option uh from the two bigs is a lot of teams just don't have that around the country and they don't have uh the skill sets to be able to execute that at such a high level like Arizona. So there are going to be teams. And I, I do feel like this tournament specifically is going to be extremely matchup based. So you know what that means. It probably means we're going to fuck around and find ourselves playing Xavier in the second round and when <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> matched up uh almost similar to what you saw today with ASU. And could it be a problem? Who knows? I like Arizona's chances. Um, I think it's definitely going to be matchup dependent. Uh, I don't, uh, yeah. but, but, the, but the thing is, is every top 10 team in the country right now is literally going through the same exact thing where there, there's no dominant team this year and any, any one of the top 16 teams in the country right now could finish being eliminated in the first round or win the national championship, it's such a crapshoot this year. Um, which is why there's probably a little bit more emphasis on trying to capitalize on on the success that that you had earlier and seeing if you can recoup that here in the postseason. So, I like Arizona's chances defensively. They got to step it up big time. I think that's going to be their calling card. They got to play as physical as ASU was today, um, and and we'll see where it goes from there. All right, for John Schuster,
0: Ben White, Saul Bookman, the great Jacob Franklin, who will not come on the scene. He just wants to give little forks up things behind the scene. We will get him on at some point. And, yes, Shane Diefenbach, I am aware of the game. I saw who won. And everybody out there, great comments. Appreciate you all. We're here during victory. We're here during losses. If you're going to back the A when we win, you got to back the A when you lose. All right, for everybody out there, I'll be back with you tomorrow. No days off on these parts. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats postgame.